Everybody, thanks so much for joining us this morning, especially those of you who are joining us for the very first time. I want to invite you to be a part of our in-person worship gatherings when they begin again next week. So next week we'll be back on a regular schedule at 9 o'clock and 10.30. And then um, on Facebook at 10.30 we'll continue to broadcast the services as well. The other thing we'd love to do if you are a uh, watching for the very first time, we'd love to connect with you. And the easiest way to do that is by texting the word welcome to 817-755-1668. We just want to answer any questions that you might have about the church or find out how we could be an encouragement to you and your family because we're really excited that you have joined us today. Before we jump into the message, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thanks for the day that you've given to us. Thanks for the new year that we have. And um, Father, in the midst of the struggles that we have, thanks for the knowledge uh, that we have that you are always with us. I'm reminded of Psalm 23, that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are there. Uh, and Father, we have, um, some of us have gone through some challenges over the course of this last year. And, and Father, thanks for seeing us through those. I pray that you would continue to meet every need that each of us have. And as we spend a few minutes in your word today, I pray that you would guide us, that you would teach us, that you would challenge us so that we can um, be people that live um, to please and honor you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. One day Jesus was walking down the road with his disciples and he asked them what seemed to be a very simple question. Who do people say that I am? One of the disciples said, well, some people think that you're John the Baptist. Another said, others I've heard say that they think you're Elijah. And some of the others said, I've heard all kinds of different prophets. And there were reasons for all of those answers. For the people that thought that Jesus was John the Baptist, they recognized the continuity between the messages between John and between Jesus. And at this point, John the Baptist had been killed. And so for those that didn't know, Jesus and John the Baptist were in the same place together on a couple of occasions. They just saw Jesus's ministry as a continuation of what John was already doing. Another popular answer was that Jesus was Elijah. Part of the reason that some thought that Jesus was Elijah is there's actually a prophecy in the Old Testament about Elijah or an Elijah-like figure coming back. It's interesting, Jesus himself made reference to John the Baptist in that way. The other thing about Elijah, he was a prophet in the Old Testament, and we read about him uh, riding into heaven on a chariot of fire. And so he didn't really die, and maybe that would make it easier for him to come back to life again. Others said, well, Jesus is just one of the prophets. I guess the, the people didn't see any kind of issue with a prophet coming back from the dead. So Jesus asked them that question. They continued to walk down the road, and as they processed things a little bit, then Jesus slowed to a stop. And he said, well, what about you? Who do you think that I am? And that's the question that I want us to ponder for just a minute. I want you to think about who you believe that Jesus really is. And when Jesus asked the disciples that question, they said that Jesus was 
a prophet. They named some different ones, but generally speaking, they thought he was just a prophet. And then he said, well, what about you? And again, that's the question that I want us to consider for a few minutes this morning. Now, when you think about how to answer that question, likely you begin by thinking about what they say. Because for all of us, our understanding of who Jesus is has likely been shaped by what other people have said or what we've heard from other people. And the reality is there are lots of different ideas and opinions on who Jesus is. Maybe you've heard this one before, something like this. Well, we can't really know who the real Jesus is because the Bible has been interpreted and reinterpreted so many times and things were added such a long time after the fact that we can't really trust what the Bible says about Jesus. We can't really know who he is. It's interesting that many times people who have that mindset actually really like Jesus. I saw a shirt years ago with the face of Jesus and it had the words, Jesus is my homeboy on it. And I've seen others that say, Jesus is my friend. And I don't know who made the shirts or necessarily what the mindset of the people is that are wearing the shirts. But I I think these are the people who uh, oftentimes they really like Jesus, but want to have nothing to do with the church. Part of the reason for that is in their understanding of who Jesus is, they really pick and choose what they want to believe. The things that they like, that that must be the real Jesus. And then the things that they don't like, well, that was the stuff that was added after the fact. And so for some people, when they say who Jesus is, they see Jesus as a prophet and a teacher and a great humanitarian, but really nothing more. On the other end of the spectrum is... Of, of how people understand who Jesus is, is what I would refer to as a distorted religious view. If you were to ask them, they would tell you that they have a very high view of who Jesus is. If you were to ask, hey, tell me who Jesus is, they would say that he is the son of God who can do incredible things. But then in the way that they talk about him and oftentimes talk to him, it sure sounds like they're treating him more like a magician or a genie. That if I just do the right things or say the right things or sometimes even beg enough, then Jesus will do whatever I want him to do, which is oftentimes make my life easy and prosperous. And then in between those two extremes are all kinds of different opinions on what they say about Jesus. The question is not what do they say, but what about you? Who do you believe that Jesus really is? Before I go any further, I do want to address these extremes a little bit. To those who say, well, we can't really know who the real Jesus is because the Bible's been added to or reinterpreted and all of that. We addressed some of that in last week's message, if you joined us. I don't think that the stories of Jesus have been added to so many times over the years, that what we read in the New Testament was actually written down in the first century. And there's this question of, well, maybe all of these things are just reinterpreted over time. And I don't think that's the case either. Because while throughout church history, there are some people that have strange ideas about who Jesus is, generally speaking, the church has been relatively unified on the identity of Jesus. So I think that what we have in the Gospels we can actually trust is who Jesus is. 
On the other end of the spectrum, those who kind of view Jesus as uh, a genie or a magician, I would just ask you to decide for yourself on what you believe the Bible presents of Jesus, that picture. Does the Bible present somebody who does whatever people want him to do, or does the Bible present Jesus as being one who only does what the Father wants him to do? If you missed last week's message, I mentioned that throughout this year, we're going to be studying through Luke's gospel, looking at the life of Jesus. And we're beginning with what we're referring to as the early years. It's the period of Jesus's life that really led up to the beginning of his public ministry. We're going to talk about Jesus's interaction with his disciples. And then we'll talk about Jesus's teaching and his miracles. We'll eventually get to his death and the significance of that for us. And so throughout the year, you'll have the opportunity to decide for yourself what you really believe about Jesus, who you think that the Bible says that he really is. But as we get started today, I'm going to tell you what I think about Jesus. And I think that Jesus is real, and he lived in a really complicated world, but he came and turned that world upside down in his life and through his death. If you've got a Bible close by, you can turn with me to Luke 2. We're just going to look at a couple of verses today. Luke 2, verses 39 and 40. It says this, And when they had performed everything, they, being Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, speaking of Jesus, and filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. These verses come at the end of what's referred to as the infancy narrative in Luke's gospel. Again, gospel is just the good news of Jesus. So it's the recounting of the good news of Jesus. Luke's gospel is unique in that it covers uh, more of Jesus's early life than any of the other gospels. Mark starts with Jesus, the beginning of Jesus's public ministry. John doesn't start with the beginning of Jesus's life, but it starts with the beginning of time and covers the early years of Jesus's life in a far more theological way. You can almost think of it as philosophical. It's like the importance of the coming of Jesus and who he was and what he was doing. Matthew's gospel gives us a little bit of the early life of Jesus, but more so from Joseph's perspective. So it's the angel that goes and visits Joseph. It's also in Matthew's gospel that we read about the wise men coming to see Jesus. But it's Luke's gospel where we read the traditional Christmas story. Uh, Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem, Jesus being born in a manger, and the shepherds coming to visit him. And so these verses come at the end of, again, what's referred to as the infancy narrative. And as, if you were reading a larger section, you might think that these verses really didn't do much other than just connect one event to another. They come at the end of an event where Jesus was taken to the temple when he was eight days old. And while they may not seem really significant, I think these verses help us to understand something about Jesus. They help us to understand that he was real. When I was a kid, I remember watching the original Superman movie. I mean, I guess it was the original Superman movie. It's one that was made, I think, in the either the late 70s or early 80s with Christopher Reeves as Superman and Gene Hackman was Lex Luthor. There's a, one of the more recent Supermans, 
movies that has come out give us an origin story, but it wasn't nearly as good as the original. So in the original Superman story, Superman was sent, he was maybe three or four years old, by his parents in a capsule to Earth just before their planet is destroyed. And so Superman in his little capsule kind of crash lands out in a field and is found there by an older couple that didn't have any children. And when they figure out that he has these special powers, they take him in. What Superman did was lift the car up, again, as a three or four-year-old, so that they could change the tire. But Jesus wasn't like Superman. He didn't just show up out of nowhere from some foreign planet or alien planet or something, but Jesus was actually born. Now, born through extraordinary circumstances for sure, but he was born. And when Jesus was born, he didn't just sit up there in the manger and say to Mary and Joseph, hey, are you guys interested in how I created the universe? Because I'd be glad to tell you he wasn't like that. He was real. He was a real baby. I mean, it says here that he grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. It's interesting to me how little we read about the childhood of Jesus. We just don't have much. In fact, next week we'll look at the one major event from Jesus' childhood that we have. And what I think the, the, the reason for this in, in some ways is to help us to understand that Jesus was real. Now, there are stories that we have about Jesus as a child performing all of these miracles or performing some miracles. But I think they're not in the Bible. They're from other books or other works of literature. And I think they're really nothing more than just legend, just trying to fill in the gaps for us. Because what I think the Bible shows us about Jesus, especially as a child, is that he was real. And, and we can relate to him, and that's really significant. There's something, some other things that are happening here that I, I think are really important to point out. It says that when they had performed everything according to the law, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And so again, we're thinking about the birth of Jesus, which we covered in our Christmas series this year in Luke's gospel. Luke presents Jesus as someone who, though he was the son of God, who was the savior of the world, he wasn't born in Jerusalem, which was the capital. He was born in Bethlehem, a few miles outside of the capital. Not born in a palace. He was born in a stable and placed in a manger. And then who were Mary and Joseph? Right? I mean, that's a great question. Who, who were they? No one really knew, relatively speaking. They weren't part of the ruling class. They, they, they weren't uh, rich people. They were just regular people. Now, it does say here when they did everything that the law required, which says something about them as people, that they wanted to please God with how they lived their lives. They took their faith very seriously, which is commendable for them. But the truth is there were lots of people who did what the law required in that day. So Jesus was real. He wasn't like Superman where he just showed up out of nowhere. He wasn't even a superman. And what I mean by that is he wasn't somebody who looked a lot like a man, but actually wasn't one. We're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks as well, because this is hard to wrap our minds around. But Jesus was fully God and fully man. And again, he was real. We can relate to him. Jesus was real. He also 
lived in a really complicated world. The time that Jesus was born, Israel was a part of the Roman Empire. And so the Roman Empire basically ruled the known world at the time. And while the empire would continue to exist for another couple hundred years, it wasn't anything like it once was. It was once a republic that made decisions in the best interest of all the people. But by the time that Jesus was born, it was ruled by Caesar and was ruled by the whims of Caesar as well. And, and, and so because there was this political turmoil that was happening in Rome, people were always looking out for who would be the next Caesar, what it would take to be the next Caesar, or how to overthrow this Caesar and become the next Caesar. So there was everyone in Rome was looking to gain power. And if you had power, you had to maintain it at all costs. Not only was it a complicated world that Jesus lived in because of what was happening with the Roman Empire, it was complicated in Israel too. Israel at the time was given some level of freedom to govern its own affairs. Basically, they just had to pay taxes, stay in line, and maintain peace in the region, and they could kind of do whatever they wanted. And so Israel was ruled by what I'll refer to as political parties. They were far more religious parties and they were political, but I think as we think about political parties, it makes more sense for us to wrap our minds around. One of those was referred to as the Sadducees. The Sadducees were made of primarily wealthy people. In using the political language of our day, they were the progressives. They believed in the Old Testament law, but they wanted to figure out how the law fit into their new world that they were living in. And so they didn't necessarily hold to a literal interpretation of the law. The Sadducees were, at the time of Jesus, uh, had, they had control of the Sanhedrin. You can think of it as kind of like the Supreme Court for religious life in Israel. The other party was known as the Pharisees. If you know anything about Jesus in the New Testament, you know he had lots of run-ins with religious leaders of his day. Most of the time, those religious leaders were part of the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they were the populace. People looked up to the Pharisees. The Pharisees wanted the purity of Israel, and so that's why so many people liked them. But they held to a very strict understanding of the Old Testament law. And so if you had a question about how to apply the law, it was the Pharisees who were going to tell you exactly how it should be done. And oftentimes, because of the influence that they had, the power that they had, they held that over people. And so, again, the thing that I want you to see in this is that, like in Rome, people in Israel were all about how do we gain power, or if we have power, how do we maintain it? And it has to be maintained at all costs. So Jesus was real. He lived in a really complicated world. But Jesus came and turned the world upside down in his life. And through his death. In Jesus' life, he showed us a better way to live. Where in the world of Jesus, everyone was all about gaining power, maintaining power at all costs. Jesus went out and said, listen, if you want to be great, you got to be the servant of all. 
when people were looking at, at the world saying, how do we get out from under Rome's rule? Because I don't want to be under their rule. And we're fighting for our independence or fighting for power. Jesus told his followers, you need to be ready to lay down your rights for the sake of other people. When the religious world of Jesus's day was kind of shaped by the idea that you have to do all the right things in all the right way and be around all of the right people. You know what Jesus did? He was constantly around the wrong people. He was known as a friend of sinners. And so he came and turned the world upside down. And part of the reason I think it's so important for us to understand that Jesus is not Superman or a Superman, that he's real, so that we can relate to him, so that when we begin to understand how Jesus lived his life, turning his world upside down, he gave us a model to follow. And so we can't say, well, that was Jesus. He did those things. I'm not Jesus. I can't do them. Because what Jesus did in his life was lay out a pattern for us that says, listen, it's not about gaining and maintaining power at all costs, but it's about giving it up for the sake of other people. In fact, for years in the back of my mind, I've been wondering, recognizing we've been as followers of Christ, we're called to be different. But wondering, like, in, in the world that we live in today, what does that truly mean for us? And throughout the course of, of my study for these messages, and as I've read the New Testament uh, over the last couple of years, more and more, I just go back to this. Like in Jesus's world, our world today is dominated by people who are looking to gain power. Like, that's what life is all about. How do I gain power? And if I have power, how do I maintain it? And I have to maintain it at all costs. But Jesus told us to live differently. And so when we look at living differently, I think this is the answer. That what we do is that we don't seek to gain power or maintain power at all costs, but that if God blesses us with some level of power or influence or privilege, that what we do is we give it up for the sake of other people or use the influence that we have to build others up. And, and so it's my hope that God would convict us and guide us to know exactly how to do that on a regular basis so that we live for the betterment of other people, laying down our rights for the sake of others, because that's exactly what Jesus has done for us. Because he came and turned his world upside down in his life, but even more importantly, through his death. The reason, and we'll see this throughout the course of our study, the reason that Jesus came into the world was to lay down his life as a sacrifice for us. Because of sin, and we'll define sin as the dysfunction that we create in our lives or the dysfunction that's created around us, we can't have a relationship with God. There's nothing that we could ever do to work our way to God. We couldn't earn a relationship with God. God had to do something to allow us to have a relationship with him. And that's why Jesus came to earth. He came to lay down his life because we were in desperate need of a savior. And so it is through Jesus's death and resurrection when we place our faith and trust in him, we are brought into a relationship with God that lasts forever and it turns our world upside down. And so as you think about understanding who Jesus is, you can't pick and choose. 
You can't just focus on Jesus's life as a humanitarian and say, that's the part that I like about Jesus. Now, Jesus was a humanitarian, but he was so much more than that. At the same time, you can't look at the death and resurrection of Jesus and say, well, that's the part that I like and ignore Jesus's life. Because when we come to faith and trust in Jesus, having that relationship with God that lasts forever, it should change everything about how we live. Changes how we view the world, the way in which we view other people around us. And so we should be living differently, loving better, because we understand what Jesus has done for us. And it changes everything. One day, Jesus was walking down the road. And he asked the disciples what was a seemingly straightforward question. Who do people say that I am? One said, well, John the Baptist. Another said, Elijah. Another said, well, one of the prophets. And then he said, what about you? Who do you say that I am? After a few seconds of silence, that's when Peter said, Jesus, you are the Christ or the Messiah the anointed one, the Savior, and the Son of God. And it was the truth of that statement. Peter identifying Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, that truth changed the world. So now the question is, what about you? Who do you believe that Jesus is? Because depending on how you answer that question, it could radically change your life. I think the Bible presents Jesus as someone who is real. Somebody that we can relate to. Somebody that understands the struggles that we have. And I think he presents Jesus who lived in a really complicated world. But who came to turn his world upside down in his life and through his death. And as we place our trust in him, he radically changes our lives too. And it's my hope that that is what we all experience. Life change as a result of our understanding of who Jesus really is. Pray with me. Father, thanks for this picture of Jesus. Who didn't just show up out of nowhere, but was really born. Born not in a palace, but born in a stable, placed in a manger. To parents who raised him well, but oftentimes in anonymity. And Father, as we understand the world that Jesus lived in, we understand how radical his life was. But at the same time, we know that Jesus came to this earth to save sinners. And so, Father, I pray that as we understand more about who your son is and what he's done for us, that you would radically change our lives. That you would help us to understand how to take the influence and the power and the privilege that we have and use it for the sake of other people. God, convict us and guide us so that we can do that practically every single day. May our lives be changed because of who he is and what he's done. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.
Hey, thanks for joining us again this week. Again, remember, next week we are back on our regular schedule in person at 9 o'clock and 10.30, and then back here online on Facebook at 10.30. So you guys have a great week.